Hey there, everyone. Tim Reese here with Tech Emergence, where we interview entrepreneurs, investors, researchers um, in the domain of emerging technology. We've had some great marketers on the show. We've had Emerson Sports. We've had Neil Patel. We've had Rand Fishkin. And today, I'm lucky enough to be on the line with Mr. Sean Ellis himself, who was one of the first marketers at Dropbox, uh, Logman, Uproar, Eventbrite, and Lookout, and now is the founder and CEO of Qualaru. Sean, how are you? I'm great, Tim. How you doing? I'm doing great. I'm glad we got to catch up. I was actually able to catch up with, with Drew uh, Housen from uh, Dropbox over at MIT a little while ago, and one of the questions that I asked him was, uh, what were some of the uh, iterations and themes of marketing and messaging that you guys test in the early days of Dropbox? And that kind of leads us perfectly right into um, the focus for today, so I'm glad to really catch up. Oh, great. Um, so today we're going to be talking about qualitative feedback for marketing and messaging. All of us recognize that feedback is critical for driving go uh, growth in any company and being responsible, uh, responsive to customers is key to unlocking growth in business. Um, Sean, many startups are probably confused about what uh, questions to ask their website traffic, whether cold or, or otherwise. What's the general um, best practice and framework to think through when asking your users uh, their initial questions? Sure. Yeah, I like to kind of think of sort of two broad groups of questions. Yeah, the first is um, is really making sure that you've created value in the first place. So for startups in particular, um, lots of lots of studies have been done that suggest um, you know scaling a business that isn't ready to be scaled is kind of is is the biggest yeah. uh, killer of businesses, particularly kind of businesses that don't have product market fit yet. So. So that like, ultimately one of the one of the first areas that I like to ask a lot of questions around is is just general value creation and making sure that that there's enough value that's been created that you can build a viable business. Um, so that's not really one that you necessarily even start with with website visitors. With the website visitor side of things, to me, it's about once you've validated that you've created value, then then you're trying to build a sort of a value delivery engine and um, and fine tune that engine and that's when being able to ask questions of, of website visitors starts to make a lot of sense. Okay, so in terms of uh, a company that might have reached product market fit, what kind of frames and questions would you be advising them on a consulting basis? Yeah, so if they've months? already reached product market fit, then you know. So for me, when I define product market fit, it's really that. You, you've identified the market for which the product is a must-have, and so what I'm what I'm looking at on the types of questions that I'd want to ask those people is um, really what their intent is. So if they're coming to the website, what what is it that they're hoping to find, and and then I'm also looking to figure out what is causing them to to not convert or ca causing them to get to the point where they're, where they're not coming in and really experiencing the product. So those, those would be the two kind of key areas that I would take. Website visitors is, is really of the, the, the desire intent side of things, mm -hmm. which is kind of driving momentum into the website, and then, and then friction. What are the things that are preventing people, whether they be kind of confusion things or, or credibility issues? Um, what are the things that are causing people to uh, to give up before they actually go in and experience the product? Yeah, I think I, I listened to an interview with with um, with you talking about um, trying to poll people or survey people on the exit, whether it be pop up or overlay or otherwise. What are kind of the general themes of, of friction that folks kind of uh, that you see in all the the tests you've done? Is it a lot of times it's say the value prop isn't really displayed or the benefits aren't displayed properly? Is it a lot of times UI? or UX, what are the kind of the, um, you know, what, what have you really kind of discovered in all the testing that you've done? Um, yeah, so, so what I tend to, 
to like to do is um, you know start quantitatively and, and lay out the the funnel and and it really kind of the the question of friction really depends where they're abandoning you know mm-hmm. so if you've if you've got a conversion funnel that has multiple steps like we had at log me in um, there there was probably our, our conversion funnel probably had ten steps to it and we were losing people all different parts along the way but right. one example where we where we lost a lot of people was um, when they got to the download stage so they they got to the site they said this sounds interesting they actually filled out a form and then they got to the download step and they we, we had a lot of people that were giving up at that step and what it what it turned out um, you know first thing that we did at the time was just a lot of a b testing to try to kind of lay out the download page differently right. didn't move the needle very much huh. but then then we asked people who were abandoning at that step um, what was preventing them from downloading the software, and that's where we found that um, they actually didn't believe that the software was free, so it was a credibility gap. And so um, our next test gave us a, a tripling at that step by just giving them a choice of download the free version or download the paid version, and when they or trial of the paid version. And when they saw that we had both the free version and and a, a paid version. There was just a lot more credibility that the free version was actually real. That's fantastic. And that was the first test you had you had run after discovering. Uh, yeah, the first test that we ran after after we got the qualitative insight and truly understanding why someone wasn't converting. Um, that that was the big breakthrough test. Mm. And I think um, I, I had heard something when you over at Log Me In. Um, you mentioned that one of the VCs would come up to you every time he would see you and say. Hey Sean, if you talk to a customer today, Sean, you talk to a customer, hey Sean, right. <laughs> and uh, you know a lot of the companies and the guys reading your work or the work of you know Eric Reese might be calling their customers and asking questions in that way. Um, in addition to surveys, um, how can this phone data, maybe the phone data that you compiled over at Log Me In, um, how can that can be compiled in a way that uh, keeps it use- uh, useful and applicable to the company over time? Yeah, I mean, so I, I think just the more the, the phone data to me kind of comes into into pieces. So yeah, that that product market fit data, you know, just just trying to validate that problems exist and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, it, the the challenge with if if you have just lots of phone calls and you don't record it well is that it becomes very anecdotal. You have three conversations in a row that says the same thing, and um, and and that becomes fact in your mind yeah. where. You know, if you had nine conversations and it's only the last three, but the other six were saying something else. So you do want to, whether you're recording in a spreadsheet or something else, you want to ask the same questions and, and record the answers over time so that you're, you're, you're actually starting to see a pattern. Um, but the other thing that I find with talking to, talking to prospects and existing customers is that a lot of my best growth ideas come out of just conversations with them and the more immersed in their daily lives and how how our product maps with their lives that that I get the more likely I'm going to get that sort of breakthrough oh my god of course this is our target user and this is why they need it and this is the best way to reach them and so um, you know and that that I think can tend to be a little bit more anecdotal you don't have to be in survey mode so much it's just it's just having a lot of conversations with them Mm, okay, cool. And the um, the company that you're with, uh, and you got to pardon me for, for uh, one of the companies you were with that helped declutter email early on. I forget how to pronounce it. You got to help me out here. Uh, Zobni. Zobni. Um, what you had you had said something along the lines of you want to you we found out that we wanted to reach the person um, when their email was super cluttered. So I guess that's um, you know when they're ready. How did 
how did that uh, did that come out through survey data or was that uh, yeah how was that really determined in, in the beginning? Yeah, so so that was um, what was interesting is we were having a hard time kind of. Uh, kind of driving response on our ads. So mm. ultimately, like I said, product market fit is about creating a must-have experience. And so um, we learned that kind of the must-have experience for the people who love that product was that it helped people find things faster in their email, that they just they, they could make a lot more sense of their email box. But when we kind of laid that promise out by itself, it didn't it didn't drive very much response. But during the surveying process, asking people who said it helps them find things faster in their email box, asking them why that was important as an open-ended question, mm -hmm. we kept seeing the same repeating words, which was, I'm drowning in email, I'm drowning in email. email right. Yeah, and so when we then started doing some, some ad testing where we used that as a hook, which, you know, just drowning in email, question mark, find things faster with Zobni, like it, it, uh, it's hit like a brick. Yeah, that gave us a, a, I think it doubled our conversion rate on on just sort of the standalone promise. So having that context of why that promise is important can be really important for setting the right hook and, and getting building that momentum to drive conversions. Right. Um, in collecting qualitative data, what are some common mistakes or, or I guess, yeah, mistakes or, or questions that you often see startups or early stage companies making when serving their users or, um, or calling their customers? Um, I probably the biggest mistake is just not trying to do it. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I mean, I think, I think a lot of people kind of worry about, worry about mistakes and therefore don't do it at all or worry that it's not statistically significant and then they don't do it. Like, you know, ultimately that's the first step is just doing it, finding lots of ways to engage with customers. But some of the things that I think tend to work really well is, are, um, are focusing on the successful conversions so there's a company called Conversion Rate Experts that's really good at this. So on the success page, after someone signs up for a product or buys something, they ask um, both a friction and an intent question. So they, they do it with two different groups of people. But like the friction question, they'll ask, what is the one thing that almost stopped you from buying today or almost stopped you from signing up for a trial of this product? And the beauty of asking those people is that They've self-qualified. So those are people who actually, who actually got to the finish line and it's asking that thing that almost prevented them mm -hmm. versus if you focus on only the people you're losing, it might be that they just discovered that the product's not for them, that they're actually not qualified for it. And so that's, that's kind of a, a really good thing on that success page. But I still, you know, it's still helpful to get as much data as you can and sort of put weight on that data. So if, if you do run, say, an abandonment survey, of, if somebody's on a particular page, they go to leave that page and you can trigger a survey and ask, wait, before you go, what is it that's preventing you from signing up? Um, you can get some data and often that's uh, consistent with the success page, but I, I think it's... Uh, it's even better, like if they if it's not consistent, then focus on the success page answer. And the the other thing you can do on the success page is is ask what was the most compelling reason that you decided to sign mm -hmm. up for this product. So it's it's most people don't use that success page effectively to to survey. Right. Okay. Success page. Right. And then, um, are there any other startups out there um, with novel or cool ways of collecting qualitative data that other companies might look to or learn from? I know you said uh, conversion rate experts were doing. Yeah, uh, so there's, yes, any of the conversion rate optimization firms are really, 
are usually really good because they're yeah. doing it for <laughs> like they do, 20 yeah. or 100 different companies. And <laughs> so they're, they're through a lot of trial and error, they've gotten really good. So another like Conversion Excel as a blog has some really good stuff on there. Right. Um, and one of the things that we're doing right now that I, we, we've got a product that we're launching pretty soon that I've, I've found the process to be really helpful was um, even though it's in beta right now, and we've created a homepage. We don't have that homepage live. I've basically created that homepage for a, for a 10 page slide deck to present it to people and, and say, does this sound like a product that would be useful for you? What's confusing about this page? So I could get kind of some pretty good data and I've made a lot of tweaks based on, based on feedback from people, like moved around the most compelling pieces, taken out stuff that was confusing or reworded it. And then, and then I say, what do you think, how do you think this product will work, if they, especially if they're enthusiastic, and they kind of give me that data. And then, so I record all of that, and then I'm taking them through another nine uh, slides of, uh, of screenshots of the product. Some of them are, are part of the live beta product, and some of them are um, sort of forward-looking from, the, from the, just the specs, but they haven't been coded yet. But that process has been really helpful in sort of refining refining our messaging and product as it's in development right cool and where are these where are these folks uh finding do is that through email through yeah uh, so i mean i have a big advantage <laughs> over most people that this is a marketing related product and i get i tend to get you know a handful of people you know often multiple people a day but definitely definitely lots of people in a week that are reaching out to me to, to want to talk about marketing and so when they do, I have a, a good opportunity to spend 10 or 15 minutes running this product by and then giving them some feedback on their marketing. So, um, you know, but that's, that's just a benefit that, that, that I have. Um, I think for, for a lot of people, it takes, it takes a lot more of just going out and, and, and shaking the bushes to find your right target customer and, and, and talk to them. Running a whole bunch of tests and changing and really pulsing your customers and serving those guys. Well, Sean, we're literally right on time and this has been great. If people want to stay plugged into you or your insights or um, I know you've got, do you have one or, or two products coming out in the, uh, very briefly or very shortly? Uh, the, the, this is what, this is a, uh, one specific product that's coming out and, and who knows how long it'll take, but that's, that's kind of a, a growth acceleration platform that, uh, is, is in the very early days, but Qualaroo is out on the market now. That's, that's a surveying question to, to ask people questions while they're navigating your website. And then, uh, growthhackers.com is also live and that's a place where people can post useful articles, discuss useful articles on growth, uh, ask questions, and I, I tend to be pretty active on answering those questions. So if there's a question that somebody wishes was asked in this uh, discussion, um, I'm, feel free to post it on Growth Hackers and I can usually get to it. We'll have them posted up there. Well, awesome, Sean. I definitely appreciate the time, man, and thanks so much. All right. Thanks, Tim. Bye. Awesome, man. Well, that's the interview. Um, I will pop this over to Dan. I know he's going to be catching up um, shortly. He's over at uh, Brown right now doing a presentation. Um, okay. but I definitely appreciate the time, man. And it's been, uh, glad to catch up with you. All right. Thanks, Tim. Appreciate it. Cool. Well, have a good one. You too. Bye. Hey, thanks for tuning in guys. If you're an entrepreneur or a future thinker, 
uh, with an interest in businesses, transitions, or technologies that have the potential to alter human potential. And make sure you check out techemergence.com. It's our main blog site where you can see all of our other interviews with uh, top startup leaders, uh, entrepreneurship experts, and folks in the domain of technology, cutting-edge emerging technology. Uh, if you have a particular interest in how technology can affect the future of human consciousness and our conscious experience, then be sure to also check out sentientpotential.com. There we explore a lot of the ethical considerations and really serious moral matters of emerging technologies, in addition to interviews with great philosophers and technology experts of our day. Uh, more than anything else, always feel free to reach out if you can find us via email. Um, you can reach out to us there or whatever other way. Find us on the blog. Be sure to drop comments. We believe that the serious uh, conversation about the future is not only open-minded, but also interdisciplinary and multifaceted. So we'd like nothing more than to be able to glean your ideas as well. Uh, so with that being said, with the best of intentions for a brilliant future, this is Dan Fagella signing off. And we'll see you next week. <laughs>